There's a lot of talk about personalization being the holy grail of banking. Some firms even use the terminology hyper-personalization. But to be honest, few banks actually provide deeply personalized products. With all the tech advancements of the past decade, it's still mostly a one-size-fits-all banking. It's not necessarily their fault either. Given the history of banking and data siloed by products, banks can struggle piecing it all together. That's changing though, as creative technology solutions are able to help banks take a more customer-centric approach, and in doing so, get much better at providing personalized offers and pricing. I'm Zach Miller, Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, and this podcast was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked closely with Amdocs, a global technology company with 40 years of experience providing personalized pricing and products to the telecommunications industry. The firm is increasingly active in the financial services industry too. Hi, Zach. My name is uh, Ben Siona Viv. Ben C is a short version of it. Um, my current title is uh, VP, Customer Business Executive, and I'm heading the financial services uh, unit within the Amdocs, uh, within the Amdocs uh, organization. I've been with Amdocs for nearly 20 years, uh, out of which the first, my first uh, time with the company, I've been very much focused on the telecommunication business, been working with all sorts of different customers globally. But for the last 10 years, I actually did the shift and I moved to the financial services uh, unit within the company. And again, it's a part of our part of our uh, part of our business uh, aspiration for the for the year for 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 the past and also for the future. When I first spoke to Bensi, I had questions about the parallels between telecommunications and banking. Sure, both are highly regulated, but beyond that, I didn't see it at first. But Bensi says there are two really transformational changes in telecom that we can draw inspiration from. The first was the advent of the MVNOs, the Mobile Virtual Network Operators. Regulators forced network operators to open up their rails to new competition. Because in the past, for competition, in the, to, to be a competitor in the telecommunication business, you had to invest hundreds of millions of dollars into building a network first, and then you could become. And the regulators figured out that the way to open up the market for competition is by forcing the network operators to open up the network and allowing uh, virtual network operators to become an effective competitor of a bank, of a, of a telecommunication company. The second similarity between telecom and banking, as it relates to our subject of innovation, is number portability. And while banking doesn't yet have the same ease of moving an account from one institution to another, in the U.S. at least, there are parallels here too. So when customer chooses to move between networks, they are allowed to keep the number because that was a kind of a stickiness mechanism for, for network operators. It actually allowed them to create a kind of a difficult uh, movement process for, for, uh, for, potent, for, for customers moving between networks. Open banking has probably the closest resonance to number portability and the move to allow MVNOs. With the introduction of open banking APIs, it was actually the point in time in which the regulator told banks that you need, to, you need to play nicely with fintechs. You need to allow fintechs to utilize your infrastructure, your, um, your, in, your banking infrastructure. So you need to open up and provide APIs. It, it started as payment related, so to process payments. Uh, but it was the first time, as far as I remember, that banks were kind of forced into allowing fintechs to utilize infrastructure provided by banks to service better, faster, more efficiently with better prices. The, um, the end customers. I asked Bensi to explain, in his words, how the two worlds, banking and telecom, relate to one another 
and how he would look at MVNOs and number portability as signposts for what may eventually evolve in banking. So there are these lines, I would say, similarities in between what happened in the telecommunications side to what we see going on in the financial services side in the recent in the recent years. Now, number portability is also something that's been out there. It's not something that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't want to scare anyone about that. But when it comes to number portability, one of the reasons why, if you look at yourself as a typical customer of a bank, one of the reasons why you would not consider moving or switching a bank is because of the complexity of redirecting everything in your financial world, right? Redirecting your salary, your direct debits, your insurances, everything is today linked to your current account. Everything is paid through your current account. So going into the process of switching a bank means that you need to change your bank account number. So what I predict will happen next uh, is that the number portability would be also allowed in the sense that customers could switch between banks while keeping their bank account number. In his role at Amdocs, Bensi has seen up close the impact of innovation in product and pricing. It's happening because consumers expect more from their service providers. We like to call that the Netflix effect. Financial services customers compare their banking experiences to what they get at Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon. So on one hand, you are compared to this kind of companies while as an organization, you, you need to deal with more complex uh, environments, much, much more sophisticated and complicated environments. Banks know these comparisons and have to balance operating in a complicated regulated industry against the agility and nimbleness customers now expect. Given this heavy lift on banks, institutions have an opportunity to offer the type of a more personalized experiences customers want. But with siloed data and products, how can banks unlock these personalized experiences? It will have to start here. The thing is that the fact that it's siloed means that it's extremely difficult to create a kind of a personalized experience. If you look at yourself as a typical customer of a bank, um, you probably have different services that you consume from the bank. You will actually see that you get different experiences. So your credit card statement would look different than your mortgage statement, which will look different than your deposit statement and so forth and so forth. So in what you see, what we commonly see is that because of this silo, a silo type of a situation that banks are dealing with, customers are handled on the silo level. And it creates a, it creates a difficulty because when you, look at, when you want to look at the customer from more of a holistic viewpoint, if you want to create this 360 view of a customer, and if you want to start empowering them, and if you want to start giving them a personalized experience, which in my mind is the holy grail of banking, this is where we all aim to be, to create a real personalized experience, you need to start by, you actually start by dealing with the fact that everything is siloed. Everything is siloed in a way that even the technology itself is siloed. So you'll have a different stack to do different things. So banks are dependent on their legacy infrastructure, which has led to these silos. Amdocs works with banks to build upon their core banking software by what it calls hollowing out the core. So if you look at the customer structure attributes on a, on a, on a deposit system, it will look different than a customer in uh, investment systems and insurance systems and so forth. So what we've been telling our customers is instead of investing heavily into replacing your core banking system, because you know the obvious answer can be just centralize everything and create one core, core banking system that does it all. That kind of a solution doesn't exist as far as I know. What we are offering to our customers is actually to 
to use a digital banking platform that sits on top of your core systems, and you can gradually hollow the core. So you can move all product-related, product management-related activities into an enterprise solution. So rather than managing with products on the silo level, you have one centralized system, we call it catalog one. So we have one centralized system that you can uh, maintain all product-related activities in one place. And this system is configurable enough or flexible enough to be able to, to maintain uh, any type of a product. It can be deposits, insurances, investments, you name it, it's probably, it's probably already supported. Once you do this, banks are now free to begin personalizing experiences in a way that aligns to internal procedures and regulation. Free from silos and different systems, products and customers are centralized across the organization. It also means that banks can offer third-party products to customers, a trend we call embedded fintech. We, we actually refer to it as the federated catalog approach, which means that you can actually create an ecosystem of, of catalogs. You can partner, and we are doing that in some parts of the world already. It, it's exactly what you meant, Zach. It's a possibility to use your catalog of products, but to create a federated catalog type of an approach in which you can consume products, you can bundle with your products, products that are offered by your partners. It can be through a marketplace. It can also be through your own partnership engagement model. So you can create your own marketplace and allow fintechs or your partners to, 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 uh, uh, to, uh, to introduce their products and to create bundles that can be combined, can actually be a combination of your own products plus products offered by your partners and still offer it as one bundle. And from a customer's perspective, they see one bundle that has all sorts of different products embedded into it. Part of it comes from the bank, comes, part of it can come from a partnership that the bank has with uh, fintechs and third-party providers. So definitely, yes, it is. By the way, it also brings us to the personalization experience. It's the understanding that customers eventually, to, to be able to service them well enough, you need to give them an ecosystem that they can, they can consume all sorts of different services that they find as useful, rather than just limiting them to what you have to offer. So definitely, yes, we see it as a possibility to increase uh, revenues, to increase customer centricity, to increase customer uh, to, to increase revenues, and so forth. Of course, moving to a digital catalog, free from the typical silos banks find their products and customers in, requires more than just a technology fix. So definitely, yes, there is work to be done on the core banking system. But what we saw over the years is that if you have a sophisticated and a flexible product product management system, like the one that we offer, the catalog one from Amdocs, um, it can actually take some of the work from the core banking system. That's why we call it hollowing the core, because it gives you the flexibility to take elements like charging logic. One of the things that we do with our customers, instead of doing the, the because often enough, the charging logic is hard-coded into the core banking system. Over the years, people... And because of different reasons, there were charging logics that were embedded into, into the core banking systems. Like, how do you calculate an interest? How do you calculate a, a deposit? How do you calculate commissions? A lot of that is hard-coded. It was hard-coded over the years into the core banking systems. What we offer to our customers, we say we can identify these rating logics and take them out of the core banking system. Actually put them into what we call the catalog one. Because the catalog one has the possibility through a user interface to embed this rating logics. So it's not just the way that you configure the product. It's also how do you charge this product? How do you calculate the commission for this specific product in the context of the bundle? Being able to do that, then that information needs to be pushed into the core banking systems. 
and you move them into this digital banking platform approach and you centralize them in the context of a product or a bundle. So it's a long answer to a short question, Zach, but it's important to understand that it requires this reverse engineering. It requires this understanding of how do, how do we overwrite? How do we take it out? And how do we make it configurable? And that's what we help our customers do. Once you make the investment to create personalized recommendations and pricing, a lot opens up for the core banking business. First, it empowers the business to take ownership of product management. Many of the customers that we work with, changes that are, changes that are related to product are usually an IT activity, an IT project. They are initiated by business, but they are an IT project. Therefore, they go into a queue, there are delays, time to market would be extremely long because of availability. So one of the most powerful things that we saw while implementing these solutions is the real empowerment of business. Because the user, it's the, the system itself gives the user, the business user, the possibility to define products, to change product attributes. You know, a simple thing like changing a discount level on a product, you look at a typical setup, it would be an IT project. While when we put the system in place, changing a discount level is something that you can do in, in literally real time. If the process allows it, there are obviously requirements related to approvals and two-phase approval and so forth. But in principle, the first thing that we see, and almost immediately, it's the business empowerment. It's, the it's, it's actually empowering the business to, to take ownership of product management, defining products, changing products, and so forth, which changes dramatically or changes completely the entire time to market measurements in an organization. In addition to empowering the business, there seems to be a growing cooperation between the business and IT when you hollow out the core. You take the load off of the technology group and move it to the buying power in the business. It means that IT can focus on projects like modernization. With the business now in control, the whole organization can focus on IP-level important activities. It's also that once you start centralizing the products, you get to see what the bank the bank, actually, it's not us as an organization. It's actually the banks, the business of the bank. They get to see the products um, the, 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 in a centralized manner. So instead of just looking, you know, in a simple, in a different systems, looking at credit cards and a different system, looking at at at, at, at uh, deposits, they now have a centralized place that they can see all products. So you start seeing these ideas of, again, based on the uh, restrictions, because you can't bundle everything. The regulation doesn't allow you to, quite rightfully, doesn't allow you to bundle everything, but within the restrictions of what you're allowed to do, you will see these ideas coming in. So it actually accelerates, accelerates the entire management of products, the entire, the entire flexibility of how to in introduce products to the market. We've seen cases that at least one of, one of our customers moves from, from months to, 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 to overnight type of activities when it comes to uh, managing products. Uh, so yeah, I would I would I I can speak also about the technology. I can also speak about the flexibility. But I think that this is the most powerful outcome that I see out of it. It's the empowerment and the fact that the entire project, the entire product lifecycle management becomes uh, becomes agile, becomes much faster, and I think brings the big the biggest value to the to the to to our customers. At Tearsheet, we spend a lot of time talking about financial institutions upgrading their cores and moving to the cloud. Nobody looks forward to those projects. That's an understatement. But legacy infrastructure gets in the way if you're trying to provide modern, personalized experiences, including products and pricing. By hollowing out the core, much like Bensi at Amdocs describes, financial institutions can leverage their existing infrastructure to punch above their weight. 
This is the second episode in a series of two podcasts we've recorded with Amdocs about the evolution of personalization. You can find the first episode on our website, tearsheet.co.